in Christian circles, there's been this ongoing debate. It's been on sort of a simmer or a low boil for a long time about how prominently we should feature information from the Old Testament when we are evangelizing in this New Testament world of ours. And that debate has sort of gone from a low boil or a simmer to a much stronger debate, to a much more contentious debate as of late. So this is Andy, the analytical preacher. I thought I would just quickly cover the topic, sort of look at the arguments on both sides of that debate, and then see how I would answer the question based on that information. Now, I think everybody agrees There's certain ways that you lead into evangelism with certain people, sort of depending on where they are at. You kind of want to meet them, take the knowledge that they might have and add to it, take any misconceptions they might present to you and kind of conquer those first. And we see that in the Bible. The Apostle Paul in the book of Acts, as he's evangelizing and starting churches, he absolutely takes a different approach with different subpopulations of people. But I think the bigger question is, and I've had preachers tell me before, that really in today's world, they just avoid the Old Testament altogether. It's not a matter of whether they lead with it or don't lead with it, lead with the gospel as opposed to the Old Testament. When they first are speaking to someone about their faith and about accepting Christ as Lord and Savior, but they say they really just kind of avoid the Old Testament altogether. There's been a little bit of a back and forth between folks like Andy Stanley, who's a very famous preacher here in Atlanta, and a gentleman named Ken Ham, who runs an organization called Answers in Genesis, really about whether we should use the Old Testament at all as we bring folks to Christ and we get them in the church and we begin to teach them about the Bible. Where does the Old Testament play? So let me give some of the reasons why the folks who say they have begun to minimize or even eliminate the Old Testament in their teaching and preaching. And they say, for one, God appears different in the Old Testament. Jesus is this God of love. Jesus is this God of peace and this God of acceptance and unity. And in the Old Testament, God appears to be a very angry and judgmental God. And they say, in our world today, there's so much suffering and anxiety and depression that we're going to get much, much farther If we lead with, if we preach and teach about, if we present the love and the loving Jesus of the New Testament portion of the Bible. There's also a concern, many of them say, that when we talk about the Old Testament, we teach the Old Testament, that it brings up too many contentious debate. It brings up questions about creation versus Big Bang, about creation versus evolution. It brings up a question about is Noah and the flood, is that a myth or a tale or is it exaggerated or is it literal history? How could he get all those animals in a boat, etc.? And they say the problem is that when you begin to have those debates, when you begin to discuss the Old Testament, particularly things like Genesis and Exodus, when you begin to discuss those things, it makes Christians appear to be a bit too anti-science, maybe a bit too irrational for our modern society. And they feel as if those discussions sidetrack people. What you need to know is that Jesus died for your sins and you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You need to turn to others in love and forgiveness and things like this. And we don't need to worry about creation and arcs and the parting of the Red Sea and all of those things. And they just say it creates more problems than it solves. 
As I mentioned, folks like Ken Ham and his answers in Genesis, they actually say that they don't necessarily think you have to always lead with the Old Testament, but they think it absolutely must become an early part of a person's training in their faith. And, and they say simple things like this. We need to know where we come from. And almost everybody, Christian or not, whether they're seeking faith or not, they have questions about where did I come from? To what or to whom do I belong? Why is there suffering in the world? Why is there death? If there is a God capable of making a universe, sustaining a universe, creating life, why would that God then allow suffering? Why would that God, if he's so powerful and so loving, why would he even allow death? And unless we understand the very early portions of the Bible, I mean, basically Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3, we don't understand those major, major issues that at some point will come up in a person's walk in their Christian faith. And we need to make sure that they're equipped biblically to answer those questions, they say. And then, of course, they say, if we avoid the stories in the Old Testament, if we're afraid that the stories in the Old Testament, maybe some, maybe all, but if we're afraid that those stories appear to be as myths, and so we in fear, back off from those, that we're giving sort of this implicit answer, we're, we're this sort of this tacit attitude that probably the entire Bible is just a myth. Why Why would where it breaks sort of in the middle, why would that all of a sudden become reality? And so they say, you may not lead with the Old Testament, but at some point, a person is going to have questions about this book that we're telling them to rearrange their entire life around. And so we need to be presenting and teaching that book to them in the appropriate way. To me, it's pretty clear that we do need to be engaging the Old Testament. And when I say Old Testament, the portion of the Bible written before Jesus was on the earth, and then the New Testament, of course, the portion that starts in our Bibles with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that speaks specifically about Jesus' life and his apostles and their writing. I think we do need to engage the Old Testament. In fact, I think we have to engage the Old Testament. I don't have to lead with Leviticus or lead with Nehemiah if I'm speaking to someone who just has general questions about their faith. That, of course, I understand. But I do believe that we have to engage it. And I do believe that when it's done properly, when the Old Testament is layered into our knowledge of faith, of our knowledge of God, our knowledge of salvation, our knowledge of why the world is like it is, that it actually enhances not only our ability to introduce people to Christ as Lord, but actually to help them hold on to their faith. So let me go to a couple of scriptures because I think we we obviously don't need to answer this question. It doesn't matter who the preacher with the most attendees are. It doesn't matter who the preachers with the highest IQ is or who the preacher was that had the highest GPA in Bible college. What matters is what the Word of God says. So let me go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, the apostle Paul writes this, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. All scripture is breathed out. All scripture, all scripture is breathed out by God and all scripture is profitable, Paul says. 
We know, of course, when Paul mentions Scripture here, that he would have been including the Old Testament for the simple reason that a great portion of the New Testament had not even been written when Paul wrote this to Timothy. And most of the New Testament, even the portions that had been written, James or Mark or Corinthians, hadn't been compiled into what we would call the Bible yet. So Paul is probably here primarily speaking about the Old Testament. In the book of Hebrews, the writer tells us this, And Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Bible says of itself that it is a powerful, living, and active document and that God, and especially when the Holy Spirit helps us understand and interpret and digest the word, that it is powerful and it is moving. And so one of the mistakes I think that we can make, and this is a this is a mistake we make when we really care. It's not a mistake we make when we're bad or sinful or selfish, but when we really care. We really want to see people come to Jesus Christ. We really want to make sure we're playing our role properly in evangelizing on behalf of the king in being an ambassador and an official spokesman for the king we want to make sure that we're doing the best job we can presenting the material but that attitude can quickly sort of shift over to we feel compelled to be gifted storytellers we feel compelled to not say things that might be too confrontational, that might be too contentious because we really want to make this work. And that attitude can lead us into this trap of avoid that quote-unquote bad scripture, avoid that quote-unquote old scripture that isn't as relevant anymore, and let me do my thing. Let me bring people. Let me use the talents and the power, the persuasion, the charisma, the oratory skills that I have to do that work. But the Bible tells us that's not how it's supposed to be. Paul writes to one of the churches that he had started. Remember, he tells him, I didn't come to you speaking boldly and clearly. Paul was not a great orator. I think Paul was a bit of an introvert and a bit of a bookworm, and public speaking wasn't his natural gift. But God said, I'm going to use this guy who is not a gifted speaker to be one of my main missionary ambassadors because I need everyone to understand it was me. It was the Holy Spirit that was doing the work. It wasn't Paul to begin with. I don't mean to lessen at all how the ambassador, how the preacher, how the missionary needs to do their best to love the people with whom they're speaking, to build relationships with them, to be willing to serve them, to be willing to answer their questions and to bounce around to different topics. If they need to, to keep that person engaged, we need to understand where they're at in their faith walk and in their belief. And we need to try to meet them there. And again, immediately correct misconceptions and move them toward the truth and the light. And we need to be very sincere and intentional about how we play our part. But we should never say that whatever we do should then supersede the Bible. So we should do the best that we can do by using the entire Bible. We are to be witnesses primarily of how Jesus has worked in our 
lives. We're to be witnesses to who we know Jesus to be. We are never to assume that there's a portion of scripture that we should exercise out, that we should cut out because we can do better without using that scripture. I'll close with a couple of points here, and I've made similar points in other podcasts, so I won't repeat the details of those. I'll give you the titles of the podcast, and if you're interested, you can go back and look those up. But one of the points I think that's very important to make in this debate about should we or how much should we engage the Old Testament today is simply this. For most of the rational, logical, educated individuals that come to know Christ today, so we live in a very modern and technologically advanced society. And for most of the folks in that, there ultimately is a desire to say, how do I know that the Bible is true? How do I know that the Bible is God-breathed scripture so that I should reject all other religious literature and manuscripts? How do I know the God of the Bible is the one true Bible. And ultimately, most folks will have that question. And the church and the Christians representing the church need to be able to definitively and confidently answer that question. Now, again, I've explained in other podcasts, I've got a podcast entitled, How Do We Know the Bible is True? that talks about that. A podcast that is entitled, The Bible Teaches Christians to Be Rational Thinkers. Go back and look at those podcasts on this channel if you're interested. But basically, the Old Testament plays a huge critical role in validating that the Bible is in fact true, that it is in fact the Word of God. And the Bible does allow for itself to be validated, to be able to tell a Christian that or a potential Christian that in modern day America is huge. And we need to use the Old Testament in order to do that. The Bible tells us we are not just to rely on pure emotion to convert someone to Christianity. And of course, the biggest issue with that is if we rely on pure emotion, when they have a stronger feeling emotion, then they will leave Christianity. And so the more rational we can build the foundation of their faith, again, starting in Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3, the more rational we can build the foundation of their faith, the more firm we can make their faith. I do think the folks are right who say we need to understand what went wrong. Why would a perfect, holy, loving God make something that wasn't perfect and holy? Oh, he did. It was perfect and holy. Oh, well, then what happened? And again, we need the scripture to point to us what happened. As soon as we say, oh, this is what happens. Man's sin plagued things cursed things, as the Bible says, then immediately we want to say, well, then how does it get fixed? When does it get fixed? Who fixes it? How does it get fixed? Before you get out of Genesis chapter three, God is already dropping the major hints as to exactly how that's going to happen. Genesis 3.15 is generally called the first telling of the gospel. So we don't just need to understand that Jesus is love and that Jesus loves us, but we need to understand where everything came from, why it is the way it is, this grand story of redemption that God has been telling and painting and working through using humans and ultimately putting his own son into the mix of history in order to fix. We need to understand that broad brush that we need the Old Testament to teach us in order to complete our faith and make it as strong as possible. We see today 
in the church. The biggest issue is not so much bringing people into church with the message. Most folks in America have heard of Jesus Christ. They know of Christianity. Most of them have been inside of a church. They've heard the gospel message. The problem again and again continues to grow over time. It's holding people in their faith. I've read numbers as low as a single percent of students that are in middle and high today will remain in the church once they get out of college, once they have their own families and their own jobs. And again, a huge portion of this is because people are grabbing on to something emotionally. And it's easy for preachers to bring people into the faith with strong emotional services and strong emotional appeals. And then we grab them in. We call them Christians. We make a mark on our paper check. We got another one. And then in a few years, that person has drifted completely away from their faith because emotion brought them in and an emotion takes them right back out. And when another spiritual, spiritual quote unquote trend or phase catches their attention, it pulls them away. But if we can help them to logically understand and logically build their faith, much less likely to see those folks walk away. And finally, I would just say, we need to understand all of God's attributes. God is love, the Bible tells us, and we love because God loved us. And Jesus Christ is perfect love and perfect light. And in him, there's no darkness at all. And we need to understand all of those things. And Jesus was a sacrificial lamb that was slain. And that's true. But God is the God of the Old Testament. And judgment and vengeance do belong to God, as the Bible says. And we need to understand all of those attributes of God. Jesus didn't just pop up one day and start a new religion that didn't have anything to do with judgment or righteousness and only had to do with love. In fact, one of the things that makes most man-made religions not able to get real traction is they just sort of showed up out of nowhere. And as logical people begin to ask questions, they say, this looks like somebody just made it up on the spot. And that was that. Jesus is very clear, and the writers of the New Testament very clear, Matthew and Paul, to make sure we understand Jesus was promised way back from the beginning, and here's how God set that plan in motion. And look how Jesus fulfills all those prophecies. So when we say, why would we choose to follow Jesus over some other man-made religion? It's because we can see that God has been writing a story from beginning to end, and it all centers around Jesus the Christ, and no other religious figure in the history of the world can say anything close to that. So in closing, I would say we need to talk about Jesus Christ, and we need to talk about our salvation through Christ as Lord and Savior. But ultimately, we must make the Old Testament we, it must be an integral part of what we teach and even what we preach. And we need to make sure that folks logically, rationally understand the value and the benefit of Old Testament and building the strong, lifelong foundation they need for their Christian faith. Thanks for listening. This is Andy. Until next time.